Welcome back. I'm Dr. Leslie. Lisa Callier. <laughs> Hi, Lisa. So, today, what we're going to talk about is places we go when we're hurting. And this is such a, um, a timely emotion to discuss for both Lisa and myself because of uh, some things that we've been experiencing, we've had to go through not of our own choosing over the last wee while. The element of powerlessness is what makes anguish traumatic. We're unable to change, reverse, or negotiate what has happened. And even in those situations where we can temporarily reroute anguish with to-do lists and tasks, it finds its way back to us. I'm going to hand that to you first because I could I could easily talk about my story when I read that paragraph. But when you think about, you know, like this whole idea about where do we go when we're hurting? What places do we go when we're hurting? Um, what's I know you've got a story around that, probably more than one. But what's something that you would share uh, with our audience today that really sort of, you know, that's significant for you that, that where you go or where you went perhaps um, when you were hurting? I think the word there that stood out for me was power, powerlessness. And I think that's when we're really, when we're hurting and it's when we're not in control of the hurt. There's things in life we can't take away. Where do we go when those things hurt us yeah and that's what we're talking about it's not when you have a choice to you know you don't choose to have grief you don't choose to lose people you don't choose to go through these situations but in life it's a roller coaster that happens mm. where do you go how do where do I go when that happens mm. I think it does depend again on how much power I have over the situation mm. and I think anguish is something that you really do get when you feel when it is for me it's not just grief because, you know, recently, like when my dog passed away, yeah. I've had grief before. And grief is something that it's a loss. Anguish is when it's, it takes your breath away. It's, you are so not expecting it. It's, for me, it's just like a pain. It's anguish. It's not the same as grief is like, I feel sad. I lost that. Mm. Or our grief. Grief can occur really if we've lost, I think through COVID, everyone experienced grief. You change in life. Lots of things can cause grief that people are not aware of, but anguish is when that. I know when Mike rung me to tell me about the dog, you know, like I was physically letting out pain. It was just like, I wasn't expecting this. I can't do anything about this. It's just that, oh, for me, that's anguish. Mm-hmm. And that's when I'm hurting to that point. Mm-hmm. And I think it happens when you're powerless over the. Yeah. Because if, if it's something of power over, you don't have to feel that. Yeah. Anguish. Yeah. Do you think that's what it means? Yeah, yeah. And like just listening to you, Brene Brown says here, your anguish not only takes away our our ability to breathe, feel and think, it comes for our bones. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. Anguish often causes us to physically crumple in on ourselves, which is like what you're you're saying and showing, literally bringing us to our knees or forcing us all the way to the ground. The element of powerlessness is what makes anguish traumatic. We're unable to change, reverse or negotiate what has happened. Absolutely. Um, I think that first part I hadn't read out, but, you know, that whole, you know, just listening to you then, Lisa, was that that physical response as much as the emotional, but, you know, that really feeling it to the core. Yeah, like, it's totally taken over my body. There's nothing I can do. I'm, I was crawled up on the floor just crying. Like, I can't, and pain, the why, what, please, anything. But it's physically in such a... Yeah, and you can't... And you can't touch it. I know for me, um, we recently went through the floods, as you know, and we lost a lot. 
And I remember the, um, I think it was the, the first day that I had gone back to the property after the flooding and we were driving towards the, um, to where we were going and it was a sunny day and people were in their cars driving by and I just burst into tears. Like I wasn't even aware I was going to do it and I was just in tears and, and my husband, Kevin was like, you know, you know, help, you know, he wasn't like, why are you crying? It was more like, oh my gosh, you know, like. I know why you're crying because, yeah, it's, I feel this pain too. Well, I feel this pain. Yeah, yes, that. And for me, I said, you know, in tears, it was because this is such a normal day for nearly everybody, but it's not normal for me. It's not normal for us. And that just felt so strange, so, so unfair. Yeah, you know, it was sort of unfair. It was like, why? I didn't even think, why has this happened to me? It was more, I want to be them. I want to be on the other side of the road, driving that way, thinking, oh gosh, what am I going to do today? Because it's a Saturday, you know. Yeah. And well, it's, it just, it just hit me. I think that you know that that word anguish and that the the power of that word. It wasn't anything that I was prepared for. It wasn't anything that I was thinking before it happened. It would come off, you know. And it was like, and I had to think, why am I so upset? And well, I know I'm so upset. But actually, what it was was that everything that was normal had gone. But there were all these other lucky people who had a normal day today. It, yeah, it was. It was really. It was really. It wasn't seeing like for you, like when you have that loss. It's in every moment of your day at that, especially at that point in time, like it's so fresh. And both we're lucky because I remember with my husband is just, just walking out in the kitchen and that's it. It's a normal day. Mm. But where's the thing? Like you don't want to be doing what you're doing because you're dealing with loss. And it, it's not like it's unfair, but it's just like, it, this is not what it's meant to be. No, exactly. This isn't meant to be how it's meant to be. And I'm sad. And I think it's that it's not the pudding. It's just like, I'm. Sad. My normals changed. Maybe our habits changed. Mm. Like that freaks our body out with emotions. I know. Mm. So maybe that's what it was. But I had the same thing. Whereas I could just be looking, and I'm looking. Even this morning, I get up, I do my normal walk. I'm look. Where's taste? Mm. And you go, oh, and you're like, oh. I was gonna say warning. <laughs> I love this program. There may be some emotions like, here. <laughs> You're, hey, Ma. You're allowed, Lisa. I cry at all, Mark. <laughs> so there will be tears. But carry on, Dr. Leslie. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> Just like you. So, the other part, why I read out that first paragraph too, was um, how I, I think about what we did and what we're doing. So it was about eight weeks ago. And she talks about even if we make to-do lists and we get involved in tasks and we yeah. keep ourselves busy, it can, one, it can hit us at any point. Yeah. Uh, two... And I, I'm, I'm going to say, though, that do, doing those to-do lists and doing those tasks is helpful because it does actually give you a bit of distraction. It helps you feel that there is something you can do because actually you feel I haven't been able to do anything about what's happened because I had no power, no control over it. But I can control this. I can do this. And then there'd be the, like, I want to say, what the fuck would I do it? And then there can be the, like, it's just a to-do list, like, and and then dissolve in tears again because it yeah. becomes too much. But I'm really pleased that uh, that we that I did that 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 Kevin did that that we did that together. You know, because it gave us a distraction, it gave us a, a focus uh, until we were. It, it allowed us to have a break from the sadness, yeah. even though it didn't mean we stopped feeling sad, but we were able to concentrate on something else that had had a forward thinking to it. And then when we didn't, because we just couldn't because of the overwhelm, like the total overwhelm and the total exhaustion, like total exhaustion, then you just let yourself experience that. And that, that was okay to say, I cannot do any more. This yeah. is enough. 
And I, I, I think for me, you know, I was thinking about this topic here and this motion that, that Brene talks about and um, that we're discussing that, uh, that that that's going to happen. It happened. And then it's the what do we do? Because I've been thinking about this since the floods happened. It's like how do we pick ourselves up when it would be so much easier and almost nicer to be able to just go and curl up in a corner and rock? <laughs> you know, forever. Oh, yeah, I know. You know? Honestly. Yeah. That feeling of just wanting to be like actually – um, I wouldn't say the grief, the day the I've been in those situations where I just want to crawl in a ball and you know, and you're just like, that's just where you end up. And it's actually easier. Yeah. It's easier to do nothing. And until I do believe in that those moments, like you said, are important because those actions, I know um, when we took Daisy to the vet and then we were blessed to be with her when she passed away and I know Mike was just I can't I can't take her home to area we can't do that and luckily the vet was so generous and was like don't stress we were both a mess we drove home but then two days later when he went back and I was like we need to do this and it gave me jobs I had to prepare the garden yeah. I cleaned things I gathered what I wanted to like preparing for the funeral gave me Hope. Yeah, hope. It gave me things to do. Just gave me a break yeah. from feeling so broken in the corner of the room. Yeah. And it still had sadness, but it, at least I felt like I'm making it nice for her. Yeah. I'm getting flowers to her. I'm doing what I need to do. Like when you say the word hope, but it wasn't hope. And yet the next part that Brene talks about is hope. She says, hope is a function of struggle. We develop hope, not during the easy or comfortable times, but through adversity and discomfort. Mm. I mean, we're talking about sadness and trauma as well. Uh, but I think that that hope is not the, oh, I hope it's a better day tomorrow, or I hope I don't feel like this in an hour's time. The hope is that, you know, that we will keep going, that good things will happen again, that it's not easy to deal with this right now because it is traumatic, sad, all of that and what we didn't expect, what we had no control over. Excuse me. Um, but there is that hope that says day by day we'll give this. And you and I can both say that we oh, have. We will. You we know, know this is the hope of knowing that under these dark clouds the sun will shine again. Yeah, and it, and it is already. You know? Oh, 100%. And even those little moments just sparking through yeah. that you see and you go, I know that tomorrow can be a new day. That's, that's hope. That's how the mics will is, is And I think that that is what you need. Maybe that is what you need. Because if you have hopelessness, you can't move forward. Because you're like, if this is so hopeless, then I might as well just stay curled up in the corner. If nothing's going to change. And some people do. They have that, that hopelessness. And it's making me think too, I feel like so clinical in the way I'm discussing this. Well, actually, it was you know, a, very, a very human thing that happened. Um, but it's making me think about our episode on connection that we did in belonging connection and how and like two examples for me one like Kevin and the connection that he and I had that we needed to have to get through it together mm -hmm. because we both suffered it we both experienced it and that if if we didn't have that connection in our relationship or the not the connection of the trauma but the connection we had in our relationship I think it would have been so much harder to have worked through particularly those first weeks. Oh, you know, it wasn't like, oh gosh, we're connected because we both suffered from the flood. It's actually we're connected in our relationship. So we were strong for each other. So when I was in tears and, and just not coping, he was strong. And then when he wasn't coping, I was strong. And it just seemed to, it would naturally work, but I think that's because of the relationship we had. And I'm thinking too, connection as well, that 
you know, in that in the episode where we talked about the relationship we have and the friendship and how we've got to know each other and, and that, you know, when, when Daisy died, you know, the first thing that I did, I didn't even think about it, was I rang you when you told me because I thought I don't, I'm not going to be able to say, oh, I hope it'll be better or like, oh gosh, I know it hurts now, but you'll get over it. It was just more like, oh my gosh, I just want to say, oh gosh, I know this hurts. Feel. I know this hurts right yeah. now and there's nothing I can do, but I'm just so you know, I'm a, I'm here. Yeah. If you need anybody, I can't do anything, but I'm here. And so that to me That's is why the that connection is so, so, so powerful and so important to have those connections with people where you don't have to, like we were saying, you know, you don't have to be anything or do you have to say the right and thing. And it takes strength. Or, oh, gosh. It takes strength to phone up. Yeah. It takes strength because you got a challenge. I was blessed to have people who came and sat with me. They didn't. They didn't take away the pain. They didn't do anything. They're like, we just want to know we love you. We know you're hurting. Yeah. That's all, like, that's what you wanted to say. I know I've lost my pet. I understand how much you love Daisy. I know you're hurting right now. Yeah. And I just want to validate that. Yeah. You didn't say, oh, by the way, son will come out tomorrow. Yeah. And like, how hey, you get over it. Yeah. Because it doesn't help at that sort of time. It's just saying, you know what? I'm here for you. Yeah. If you need someone to talk to, or just so you know, I'm thinking of you. Yeah. Or just listen while you're crying. Yeah, that's all like, that's you all have, have to, to do it. right now. Yeah, and 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 it's interesting, isn't it? You know, the, I'm thinking about the use of that word platitudes, but you know, people who don't, who haven't been through that, don't understand it. And what I've had to get very clear in myself with, with my 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 sort of feelings about that, when some people say like, "Oh, how are you? Oh, gosh, that must have been terrible." Um, is I've got quite comfortable by saying, "Yes, actually, it was. It was absolutely horrible." And you can see they don't know what to do with that. And I don't care because it's like, if you want to bring up that in conversation, I'm not going to say, oh, it was okay. Oh, I'm fine. Oh, we just lost our home. But that's okay. Like, you're just not, you know. So I think people have to people have to accept, and I think this is a really difficult thing for in, in our society, that if you ask someone and you don't get the response you're expecting, well, then you have to work out what to do with that. And I found, I found myself saying, you know, and actually we have joked about this, but you know how many times I was in, in shops and you know in, in town and and they say, oh gosh, you know, like were you affected by the flood? And I say, well, yes, I was. Like, oh gosh, I wasn't too bad. It's like, well, I lost everything. And they say, yes, man, <laughs> you know, hand sanitizer. It's a little bit late now because we've actually lost everything. <laughs> and that was their way. What I what I understood. As I have I no joke words. about it, yeah, I have. No is they don't know what to do, and they, I, I think for me, I got very used, very um, accepting that they just couldn't understand it because they hadn't been through it. So it wasn't a don't ask me if you don't want to get that response. It's the if you don't know how to respond, you did ask me, so I'm going to tell you. Um, and that's probably part of me dealing with my grief and sadness about it was to be able to say, actually, yeah, I, I've, I've lost my home. I don't then say like so what are you gonna do about it yeah. like you know do you really want to know that it's just actually that was probably a little bit cathartic for me was to be able to say actually yeah, i've lost my home and tell people that i had gone through this but that you know i obviously was still standing i think the right. it's interesting obviously we're doing this to help people with leadership and self-leadership and you think what what did you want them to say mm. and i i think as a leader you know grief happens at work people lose their dogs people lose but all different things can happen at work. And how do you, what are you meant to say when someone says, because I have the same thing, obviously. I don't, when people say, how are you? And you'll be like, fine, thanks. That's really the answer they want. 
Oh, yeah. And people say be vulnerable, but I found with neurodiverse family, they don't actually want you to say, actually, my life's shit, really. It's crap. It's falling apart. I'm holding on my strings here. What do I want them to say if I say that? What response? Like, do I want to blurt that out and say, you deal with that? Or as a leader, like, how do I deal with that when people are suffering? And what do you say back to someone? And I think, as you said that to me, I think the answer, instead of saying, here's some sanitizer, because <laughs> it's not a useful answer most people give you, is everyone's on the spectrum. Is it really not a good answer? Um, the answer would be, I I don't know how you're feeling right now, and I, I can't experience that, but I do care mm. that you're hurting. Mm. And if there's anything I can do to help you, mm. please let me know. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm pleased you, you brought that up and said that, Lisa, because I'm thinking of the conversations we've had um, over time about, you know, like that, that mentoring relationship and how as a mentor, because you're you're a mentor of many others, you know, you've been in that role for a, a long time and I've, I've been in that role too, that we're not counsellors. So we're not, we don't have that qualification. And I'd, I'd be the first to say, like, I don't, I wouldn't know necessarily what to do. But I love that you've sort of talked about the, the listening, but just to be there and listen. And that you can be that support person that says, you know, how can I help you? And like, can we find someone who knows how to help to, you? Know, yeah, because right. that person who's going through it, be it a team member or your, you know, someone who's on your team in terms of another leader, whomever it is in, in your company, um, they might not know. No, oh, 100%. You know? like, they're not... I, yeah, so you can be the person that says, D- let's find someone together if you want me to do that. And, and I think you're spot on is that you're not a counsellor. I certainly am not a counsellor. Uh, and I will make sure that that's really clear for me, you know, that that's that, if we call that that boundary, but at the same, and, and at the same time, I should say, um, it's the, so what is the best way? Find out what they need from me. That That's all you can offer is, can I do anything to help? Can we as a company do anything to help you? Yeah. What, what you can, need? what do you need? Is there anything we can do to support you right now? Yeah. And I think yeah. that's all you can do because as you said, we're not going to eat. There's no way. I'm, I mean, as soon as someone loses a dog, obviously, I'm heartbroken. I've had more than one dog. But, and I could see, honestly, the people who had lost dogs in their response and behaviour because they love dogs. Yeah. So you could see a difference compared to people who were saying, I feel sad for you, yeah. but I've got no feeling really of how you're feeling because... And him for hand sanitizer. Yeah, oh. you know, like there's a man sanitizer, like... I agree. I've got no idea how you're feeling, but... This is like, can't you buy a new dog? <laughs> Do you know, like, that's the, that's the, that's a, can't you, are you, are you insured? You're going to get everything back, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Are you, but you'll build again, won't you? Yeah, so it's not, I think those feelings are to make themselves feel better. Again, other people feel uncomfortable when they don't know what to say. But as a leader, it's important that we can learn some questions, some just conversations like, is there anything I can do to help? Yeah. That's not a hard sentence to learn. No. And there is people, I remember when my daughter was first diagnosed and my cousin um, had a friend at work who um, obviously was going through the same struggles with neurodiversity and different things. And she came and gave me a letter. Um, yeah. But the woman just explaining her story, a complete stranger. Mm-hmm. And she just wrote me this beautiful letter and said, just so you know, you know, I sit with my child and it's the only time I love her at night because during the day it's just such a hell for her life. And having someone who sent you cared, I can know, send that letter mm. and just say, I validate. Mm. But also the fact that my cousin had gone out of the way to ask someone at work who was completely random to me or probably to even her and say, 
my cousin is hurting she's suffering what can I do to help her because I can't do anything but you know what I can see you've been through this is there anything I can do and from that question from that communication it gave help Mm. and it's Mm. only by having that that we can it's not by ignoring it but and it's okay to not know what to do yeah exactly because I don't actually know what to do we didn't know what to do over the house you can't fix it no at the beginning with me and my husband when you were saying I think it is harder in a relationship because if you and Kevin supported each other, me and Mike supported each other, but I think it would have been really hard for me if he had no grief because I'm dying and then if he didn't have the same grief, it would be very, yeah. it would have been hard for me. And I think sometimes that happens in situations, just one, because of lack of communication. Yeah. And also we aren't always going to experience like when, even if we lose a child, I've been through different, we're not going to experience the same way, but because we don't, we can't communicate that to other people that can really cause division. Oh, yeah. And the fact that our husbands understood when I just stood there in the morning and burst into tears or you're driving along and you burst into tears, they knew you were hurting mm. and they're there listening and just will either give you a hug or when that happens, you're doing your best to support them back. But we do need those people. Oh, yes. Well, and that's that connection. Again, isn't mm, it? it does come back. And I think, too, you know, um, when you were talking about um, in a company, an organisation, and what you can do as a leader, um, you know, with if it's a team member or whomever. And I just, it, made, it was um, making me reflect on when we got flooded and how my um, my clients whom I was doing some work for, some contract work for, how how they did exactly that. So they hadn't been through the flood, anything, but their response was, apart from, and I, and I mean that in the sense of like, you know, of course they're going to say, well, that must be horrible. Yeah. And like, you know, so sorry it happened manners. to you. Manners. Yeah, it's manners. Um, oh, manners. <laughs> it's just madness. Yeah, manners. Um, but the next part was, there's no rush. We don't expect this. Do you, know, you in your time come back to us when you're ready to? We're not expecting that. And if I, you know, when I was saying like, oh look, I'll probably do that next week, they're like, well, just see how you feel. Like they knew more than I did that I probably wasn't going to be yeah. ready. And to me, that made everything a little bit easier because there's, you know, as much as the, as well as that added stress of in my own business, what happens because I've got to keep making money because that's how I bring in, you know, dollars so we can live and et cetera, et cetera. And now I've experienced this that has completely sideswiped me. Um, and I don't know what to do with that at the moment and I just cannot even concentrate. But the recognition from those clients who could see that that would be the reality for me, good on them because, you know, all I had said was, well, you know, we've been floods and lost the house. Um, and that they was they were just so... They had empathy. Yeah, they did and they were so understanding. And I'm just thinking like when she said about what place do you go when you're like that? It's like they almost created a place for me to by saying there's no rush, you don't have to come back to us yet when you're ready. Whereas for me, I, I was sort of thinking like, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've still got to cope with all of that and I, I don't want to lose this work and I don't want to do this and I don't want to disappoint them or let them down. And they were creating the place saying, you are going through a lot of trauma and you are exhausted and you'll be overwhelmed, so we don't even want you to come and talk to us at the moment. So yeah. they were actually helping me do that, which I'd like hats off to them. And I look back at that and I'm so grateful. Um, because it gave me that time to to have to go through that grief process, go through what we have to go through, that they recognise that. And like you said, you know, the, the, our partners, our husbands, and they recognise that. So it lets you be okay about, actually, I'm not coping at the moment. Actually, it's not easy. Actually, I feel crap. 
and that that's okay because other people have acknowledged that that's what's going to be like. Yeah. You know, I and before that, I did. <laughs> I think it is, like, empathy is so important. And those people, like, I think you're very, like, we are blessed and you're lucky when you have. I know when I think, I remember when my son left to go overseas, and obviously when he left, I then I was like, oh, I'm really sad. And I'm like, I'm going away just to get out of the house. And there was a big, like, that wasn't a big deal. It wasn't, like, a huge thing. It was just my loss, my grief. But there was a big difference in my customer's response. The customers who I love were like, at least you go look after yourself. We love you. You go be kind to you. Don't stress about us. We're not important. It's important that you feel good right now. Yeah. Whereas another customers who would be like, well, well, we wanted that next week. Um, where is it? Can you do it tonight? And t- like, I just told you the pain I'm in. And your response is, well, could you work till three this morning because you're not leaving until six? So you have got some time, haven't you, to do it? And I was like, this is why I need, like, this shows me the customers I need to get rid of because the customers who had empathy for me and I feel loved me with kind, like I was so grateful for their words. Mm. Um, they're people where that gives me joy to work. They're people who appreciate me and respect me. Mm-hmm. Whereas the people the other way, I was like, are you serious? Mm. What you've just said to me is like, I am so unimportant in this. And make that that empathy is key, I think, when it comes to this. If we're talking in leadership and we know people are going through when people are hurt, yeah, that's going to happen from someone could get hurt in just from someone saying the wrong thing. Yeah. Well, you and I both have been fighting. You know, we we're both very very clear that empathy is a it's a core skill of any of us. But people in leadership positions, empathy is just profoundly important. And, I'd, and it doesn't have to be people who have been going through grief. That empathy is there. And I mean, that's why we, we spend a lot of time and we put a focus into and we make sure, you know, that whole thing around emotional intelligence. You know, we've got to really get clear about the 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 importance, the significance, which is what the word is, that empathy that other people, these people whom we are to a degree responsible for, our team or whomever, um, that, that they need to be valued. They are important. And if they are, there's an, an addition of like this grief trauma that happens, which can happen as you and I both yeah. know, as probably you know too, um, then we have to hold on to that. In fact, probably because we have developed that empathic approach, we we have that as part of our, our psyche of who we are, um, you know, a leader archetype, whatever we want, language you want to use, that we will manage it. We will help that person because we'll know what to do because we want to, because we care. I think care is a really good word in there too. Yeah, because yeah. we care, you know, those clients of mine and your clients who care because they know us and because they know themselves and the relationship we've got, they care, therefore they looked after us. You know, our husbands did. There's a bit of like you expect that too. But when it becomes to external people. When it's random, that's what I'm saying. When it's randoms who step up and care, yeah. it's pretty massive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's it's not that you want, but like in business and in leadership and in all different things and things that cause grief, like we're saying, it might not be important to someone else about a dog, but I still can have empathy that you have grief. I don't have to have been through the pain, mm. but I can still recognise this hurts. Yeah, I know what it feels to hurt. I can't. I will never know what your pain feels like. Can't take it away. I can't take it away, but I do recognise and I know you're hurting right now. Mm. And mm. how are you feeling? Are you scared? Are you anxious? What can I do to help? I would say your clients are... I did actually contact one of your clients for That's you. right. 
And the emotional intelligence your clients have, I would say, is well above mm. the average, <laughs> um, you know, the average person, mm. because it was such a beautiful message that I received back and forward mm. from um, the people I contacted. But this, when we're talking about where do we go when you're hurting, and in terms of leadership, I also that's not when I was going to go that the most important thing I think is understanding as well that it's not about it still hurts it's not measuring my hurts more than your hurt or I'm hurting more than you because what that doesn't hurt you just stubbed your toe I've lost my foot yeah that's just not how this hurting things work it's like when it's hurting it's in it's all about the person's personal yeah it's person is no ever no ever like more hurt and it, sometimes I think people feel bad when, I know like I've helped people in domestic violence situations. So I've been doing that for a long time as in, in, in that area. But so you think, well, why am I complaining? My hurt doesn't matter. Someone else has been beaten up here. Some whole family has been broken up. Why is, well, you're unimportant. Like this is so little, this hurt. You've just stubbed your toe. They are smashed. Mm. And so you don't allow yourself to validate that that pain is. And it's all relative. Yeah. It is just as important to me. And it seems really hard. You're like, how can you compare that and that? But you can't compare when you're hurting. There is comparison is what causes a problem because it's just like however you feel is okay. Because that's how you feel. Yeah. And not that comparison. Go well, and I think some people hide it and go, well, it's not worth telling someone because this is I'm not important. I'm spoiled. Like I'm not really suffering. I've got food. Why am I crying? Why am I hurt? I shouldn't mind. I lost my dog. Like people don't even have dogs. Yes. You know, and you don't think it's important, but it is just as important for you to deal with that and for other people to say, is there anything I can do to help you? And not just be like, were you really? Oh, for God's sake. Well, or and or, um, which did happen a little bit, not too much, or instead of saying that, you know, like, gosh, that must be, you know, I can imagine that you're hurting and it must be really hard to deal with. They say, well, at least you're alive and you've got insurance. That was something that I got. I was like, sure, but that doesn't actually help me right at the moment about how I feel, you know, but that again was their way of, of thinking, well, at least you got out alive. I thought, well, I actually never feared for my life. It was the the disbelief of, of watching this wolf rise and take my house away. Um, you know, and it's like, and you've got insurance. It's like, well, that's an assumption. There's a lot of people that hadn't, didn't have insurance. Right. You know, there's a whole lot of people that haven't got insurance. So, you know, it's again, it's that, you know, they don't know what to say. And, and sometimes it's better not to say anything if you don't know what to say. Especially in a leadership situation. But, <laughs> well, it's a random, highly recommend that yeah, method I'm if you don't know what to say. Oh, yes. And and it's, I think that the, the, the answer to that, if you don't know what to say, is just to listen and just to say, hey, this is all I can do or this is what I have to offer. And I think that that's plenty. Or even say, I don't know what to say. Yeah. It's a pretty easy thing if you're just sitting there and you're like, I don't know what to say right now. I feel uncomfortable because I can't help you. Yeah. Is there anything you can tell me to do that will help? That will help? And that's just being, Yeah. it doesn't, that's not rocket science. And that's it? emotional intelligence too. Yeah. You know, knowing to say that. Yeah, that's, that's not that's rocket true. science to say, I don't, well, it's actually just being authentic and saying, yeah. I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And that's just very simple. Yeah. It's a simple thing, but it, I would say that actually, especially in leadership, sometimes people would struggle to say that mm. because looking weak, mm. we spend a lot of time in that looking weak. We don't want to look weak in front of people. We don't want to not know what to say. So again, we put up our own shields because we're like, oh, people will think I'm not good mm. because I didn't have the right words. Mm, I 
didn't know what to say, so I won't say anything, so I'll try and avoid it. In fact, I won't do anything. I think a lot of people would also, I'll, like I went to one girlfriend's house and, and the, the wife was amazing. She totally had empathy for me. And I knew the husband 100% had empathy. He loved animals. And it wasn't till, until I left and he redeemed himself in my eyes because he said to me, I didn't know what to say and I really feel for you over Daisy. He gave me a hug and he was sort of like, I didn't know when to bring this up. Like you've been here, and it, but I do need, because I was sort of like, this is weird. You've not mentioned her now mm. because you know how important this was. I know how important your dog is. Why haven't you mentioned this? It's weird. But then at the end, he was just like, I didn't know when to bring this up. So I just want to give you a hug now and say, that was me, but I do see you mm. and I do know you're suffering and mm. I have empathy for how you're feeling mm. right now. Your honesty. Which is really honesty, whereas I could have left and I've had plenty. Well, I've probably done this myself, whereas like if I ignore it, we don't have to talk about it. I won't feel uncomfortable. Do we have to talk about this? Oh, hopefully it will go away if we don't talk about it. And maybe next time we won't be there. Sorry. What? That's the opposite to crying, that's all. There's <laughs> no giggling. It's the opposite. <laughs> it's a way of coping. No, it's right. So there's nothing, there was nothing funny about it. Nothing <laughs> funny about that. It was just time to laugh. It's an intrusive sense of humour. So, part of what. I'll tell you later. Part of what. Awkward. You're being authentic. See, we're crying now. Part of what we um, we want to do and we, <laughs> and we agreed. You know, and we, we did in our, um, um, the last episodes that we made too, is, as well as talking about this concept and the, the reality of these, these emotions and being able to share our stories. And hopefully, and I'm sure that so, you know, what, what we talk about will resonate with your stories as well is what to do about it. You know, what are some of those coping strategies or what are some of the ways in which we, we do actually move beyond? Like, as I said, you know, doing the to-do list and the tasks at the time was a good diversion. You know, it didn't take away the grief or the trauma or the overwhelm, but it sort of minim it just lessened it a little bit because, you know, we could concentrate on something else. But like Brené, and I'm going to ask you in a minute, Lisa, Brené Brown says, like, when I'm really scared, worried, overwhelmed or stressed about what's happening, and trying to find perspective, I ask myself, will this issue be a big deal in five minutes, five hours, five days, five months, five years? And I think she's she's suggesting and offering a strategy there. You know, that, and, and it's something that I'm very un aware of that we've been doing and I've been doing for myself is, you know, it's eight weeks now and I feel better. I feel that I'm coping with it a lot better. So what have I done? What's that resilience? What's the, what have I done to help myself get to this point of it's still not nice and there's still so much ahead of us, but it doesn't feel so traumatic. It doesn't feel so overwhelming and I'm definitely not as exhausted. So what have I done? And, but like what she's saying is like, you know, what's, is it going to take? How, how long will it take? I haven't really asked myself that. And I think actually I was telling this talk to, to someone about this the, the other week that all my life or, you know, as I, when I've been aware of it and as I've got older, I've always been able to, if I'm stressed or worried about something, I've always been able to still think, but I'm looking forward to sitting down and having my cup. This sounds really trivial, but it's, it's not. There's a point to it. And having my cup of coffee for breakfast. I'm looking forward to that. And then I worry about it after I've done that. But I know I can actually stop, stop thinking about it, put it over here, park it, 
and enjoy and appreciate the things that are important to me that give me that joy. And then I might feel like crap again for a while. And they're like, oh, but I'm really forward to going home. And like Kevin's truck will be in the driveway. And then, you know, and so that I can appreciate. And it's like the other stuff sort of just goes away a bit. So I just was really, when I read that, we should say, you know, the five minutes, the five days, the five months, that it can be five minutes. But then there's also the, you know, being able to look forward to coming here and staying with you, Lisa, and for us doing this podcast series. And like I could have easily said, and, and you know, when we, when we first got um, affected by the floods, there's no way I could have done this because there was too much going on. But I could have decided to never do this mm. because that was so traumatic and that was just such a horrible thing. But actually making it, you know, something in my brain, and you might know what I'm talking about, but something in my brain that, that enables me, has enabled me to be appreciative that this is coming up because it will be even more, not a distraction, but it's a really important part of what I do and how I can spend some of my time and, you know, that connection again. Um, and then I don't have to think about that while I'm doing this because we're having lots of fun and it's it's interesting and my work is again. And I think it's, sometimes it's about just giving yourself some time and it's okay if you're not doing it in five minutes and you're not sort of coping in 10 minutes, that it will happen. But it's that, where's that resilience? Where does that come from? I don't know. I'm really... I think that the... If we think about emotions with our body and biological, it's like what I like to do. I think grief is, and you know, with hurt is one thing to understand it's circular. Mm. It's not something that's linear you work through and that um, there will be days where it, you will go and something will happen and you'll be triggered straight back into the same place yeah. you were at the beginning. Mm. And that's okay mm. because it doesn't mean you've gone back to the beginning. It's a circular thing that continues. And the, the weirdest thing with gratitude and joy that I think you're talking about is when I've seen a lot of people who've heard, and it, it always blows my mind, what a beautiful lady I coach, whose mum had in this. And so her life, when I've learned about it, has not been a joy. Yeah. But she's learned to find joy. Yeah. Her mum taught her to have gratitude. And when you say to people, you know what, like I can't control my life. I can't control what's going on every day. No one can, honestly. You you weren't expecting your whole world to be destroyed. Your whole house is gone. Everything you own is gone. No one prepared for that. Mm. My dog was only three years old. I wasn't prepared for that. Oh. We're not prepared for this pain. That's why it caused the anguish. Mm. But what we can do is those little moments of gratitude, and especially when you pay attention and you appreciate them, they do release chemicals. They do release stuff that helps your body with the opposite chemicals of pain so those drops and if you just i know it sounds like nothing but those little drops of dopamine those positive things that actually helps your body and the um, when you say to people be grateful i mean i know when i first started and someone said to me be grateful i'm like whatever i'm grateful for what you know and it's like first of all every morning they were like you've got to be grateful for three things i was like really Oh, it's sunshiny today. Well, I'm grateful I've got a dog. I'm grateful. What am I grateful for? But actually what actually started happening was my brain started looking for yeah. things to be grateful for. My brain started actually going, oh, you know what? I'm grateful that Dr. Leslie called me today. Oh, I'm grateful that this happened today. Oh, And it actually started training my brain to just give me those little moments of joy. And now I know that people who know me and coach me, like what gives me joy is really important to me. Yeah. I pay attention when I'm interacting with people. Did that interaction fill my cup or did it make me feel less? 
is one of the things that I've used as a gauge. Mm. When I was in that situation, was my cup filled or was I actually depleted from using that energy? Mm. And I mean, when we're in grief, obviously when we're in pain, that is a depleting emotion. Being able to have that tiny little moments of hope, those tiny little moments of laughter, mm. like you ringing me and saying, I to- like when, when you explained, I said, like, I totally get it. Like people actually keep saying they can deal with vulnerability, but they can't. When you said that to me, I was like, I totally get it. And then you're like, yeah, do you want any hand sanitizer? that? And we actually were giggling and that replaced and gave us joy. Yeah. And having those people who could have empathy where you have feeling, those moments where we just have to laugh. It's so ridiculous. Mm. Those moments where, you know, when I think it was lovely when you told me like, daughter-in-law had taken away to help you and then her own her whole community had helped her mm. and then sent you a message back that said I don't know who you are but I hope this helps you mm. right, those little tiny yeah. things that's all we have yeah sometimes that is all you got yeah and, and until you pay attention you don't realize they are the little things they're actually really quite big that are huge it's tiny because you're like That's all I've got. But actually, that's what's got me through. They're the things that have got me through pain in life. Knowing that I can stand this, I can keep going, there will be moments that pick me up. There is moments that are going to be joyful. But that doesn't change the other one. No. So I think that is key, um, is finding those moments of joy, finding, knowing those ways that fill your cup because our I know that if you'd have asked me 10 years ago or five years ago, what fills your cup, it might have been, not like someone first asked me to be gratitude. I was like, well, I don't know. Mm. I'm grateful for my work. I love my job. Yeah, great. I love it. Whereas that's not an answer, really. No. I've not paid any attention to this question. No. No. And no. I love it when sometimes I've been coaching and they've come back and they're like, oh, now I'm asking, does this give me joy? Because Lisa told me that. And I'm like, yay. Because that's what we're meant to do. You know, if you are doing this and it's just taking so much anxiety and you're living so far in the future, because you don't know the future. Maybe that's where Mm. we don't know the future. We can't. All you can do is what can fill my cup now? Oh, the stick. So it's saying, shut up. (laughs) Oh, no, stick. Stop. Stop. Time on. So to finish. To finish. Thank you. Um, there's actually a number of strategies because that's the other thing that we like to do here is to give some tools uh, and give some strategies of what to do with this. You know, remembering that we started with the, the, the topic of places we go when we feel pain, when pain. we're hurting, when, when we're, we're hurting. hurting. Thank you, Lisa. There hasn't been a, hey, here's a template. If you fill, all the, fill in this checklist and everything will be hunky-dory. I think the tools and strategies are what we have shared through this episode and things like, you know, actually some time out what gives you joy if I can do just very quickly like with the um the gratitude list that I stopped doing that after the flood I was actually quite good at doing that fairly regularly not every day but even if it was one thing and, and like as you say that paying attention to not just saying oh it's sun shining that's nice that gratefulness has to be something that makes me yeah, feel it's a real thing yeah. it's not just silliness and I remember picking it up again oh. four or five weeks later I thought, oh just write a gratitude list and I came out with about 20 things Okay, so I need to do this. I've missed this. This this yeah. helps me. I think it is a tool that can help. So, and I, I put a, a sort of a judgment on it, but it's sort of so long as it actually does have meaning. It's not just if it's 
starting point of like, actually, I just need to write down what I'm grateful for. You don't for. have to have no. any, first of all, I promise you. No. First of all, just get started. Just get started. And as you, I didn't have, honestly, I didn't have real meaning when yeah. I started. And it didn't matter because what's happened is I develop yeah. meaning by yeah. practicing. Yeah. And that's all that we really, it's, I would say. And it's such a, if you are hurting, very hard when people say, be grateful. Yeah. So I really recommend, please start this when you're not hurting. Because oh, it's yeah. a tool that when you are hurting, it seems like the most silliest little thing in the world. Oh, yeah, but no. It's... But such a powerful mm. tool. So I think that will be the tool and the lesson of today. Yep, yep. Curiosity is always essential. So look internal and pay attention to how you're feeling, but also be kind to others and be being empathetic, honest and open. When others are hurting, it's okay to not know. It's okay not to have an answer. That's a really important takeaway from today. Definitely. And to be vulnerable enough to say, I don't know what to do to help you. Is there anything I can do? Yeah. Saying, oh, I didn't show up because I didn't know how to help you. Yeah. Two very different statements. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's her statement. That's my I'm always day. furious. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have an ending yet, but we'll get one soon. See you later, guys. Thank you. <laughs>